0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: There are many different paths you can take, but there's only one: Road to Atlanta. A high drive deep out to left field. He clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and
2: giving up. It's a home run for Danby Swanson
1: air out towards shallow right. That's big trouble. Albies going back. He dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzy Albies. Swanson is headed for three. He'll try for it inside the parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate. He'll score standing and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at Road the Number Two Atlanta. Now hit the road with your hosts, Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves farm system and Braves prospects. I am one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize me for my work over on TalkingChop.com, MLBDailyDish.com, or from my constant rantings about baseball or whatever's bothering me at any given moment at Leprechaun with a K. Joining me are my two close buddies, Rob and Matt Powers, who are also with me over at Talking Chop and have been – a on the Twitter sphere at Matt Powers thirty one, as well as at GVDAC, or you can follow him at the Braves Reddit Twitter account as well. Gentlemen, how are you?
3: Minor league baseball starting today, so I'm great.
2: Uh, I have officially started the Tiger Woods trend on Twitter, so I'm feeling pretty high.
1: Yeah, Garoff had a pretty good week. Uh, that was hysterical. I was actually I wasn't actually on hand for when it started because I was having to drive through like the backwoods of Northeast Alabama to go get my daughter. And I get home and I have, I think it might be over this number, but I had 50 people asking me why I haven't changed my, my profile picture to the Tiger Woods meme and I didn't understand what had happened. And it took a long time to figure out exactly what had happened. And it was pretty glorious, I have to admit. And it's still going on. It's, 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 a, it's it's pretty cool. So, Rob has had himself a good day on the internets.
2: I am, I am proud and unashamed about creating an internet meme. I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying this. Shout out to Scott Coleman for helping, for, for, really doing this with me it's uh, i've enjoyed this week way too much
1: (laughs) yeah it's funny talking to scott he's like i had no idea this was going to happen it's like the best possible thing so um so obviously the the big news for this week is that minor league baseball is back there's the game the games have just gotten started we're recording around 10 7 20 or so so we're kind of in the first inning of a couple games a couple games are just going to get started here in a second um, I did promise that Garrett Spain was going to be joining us. Unfortunately, he had some family stuff come up at the last minute. He was actually pretty upset that he couldn't make it. So, uh, but fortunately next week, we're going to have some more minor league baseball to talk about beyond what we're going to be talking about in this podcast. It's just going to be kind of a quick recap of the actual rosters that were released. And then we're going to kind of get our initial draft thoughts down. Now, I will say this because we're going to get questions a lot. This is just our initial thoughts about the draft. There's a lot of stuff can happen over the next couple of months to change orders and kind of change perceptions in terms of what, whether it be performance, whether it be all that stuff. So this is just the first one. We're gonna have guests on. Uh, Carlos Collazo, sorry, said that he's he's wanting to come back on. So that's from Baseball America. I'm sure we can get some. We're gonna have some other guys too that I'm less sure about when that'll happen and what we're gonna be talking about on those podcasts when we have them on. But we're gonna have a bunch of experts on to talk about the draft at some point. And you know, over time, we're gonna be kind of changing our opinions over time as we develop our opinions on them because we're just kind of our first glance. So but before anyone gets too mad about you know us not like either being super high on a guy that you like or being high on a guy that you don't like, this is kind of a first pass at it. Um, but before we get into the draft, um, real, real, go ahead. Can I say
2: something real quick? I'm super excited for Carlos to be on because he almost knows more about the draft than I do.
3: Oh, yeah. He, he, he almost,
2: almost does. I'm pretty sure he has, like, a top 9,000 list for, like, a yearly top 9,000 list. That guy has such an incredible baseball mind. I'm just going to sit back and probably not talk the entire episode.
1: Yeah, I'm actually really – because uh for those who aren't aware, Matt has been our draft guy at Talking Chop, like, has kind of ran the draft coverage. I mean, I kind of, like – I kind of – I run it in the sense of, like – I'm kind of over the minor league coverage and I kind of make sure that things go where they're supposed to be scheduling wise. But in terms of like what needs to be covered and the guys that need to be covered, it's been Matt since he joined talking Chop, and this is his baby. So what we, what you're going to probably hear a lot of in this podcast is us deferring to him. Um, And having Carlos on is going to be great. And having those experts on, because again, it all informs our opinions because we can only see so much of the, the amateur on the amateur side. Matt probably watches more than all of us, Um, but getting those, um, those eyes and ears and those, brains that are really kind of pu- plugged into this is going to be really helpful for us. And it's going to be kind of like a, a learning process like it is every year, just kind of figuring out what the draft class is and is not and kind of what's going on. So, but before, again, before we get into all that draft stuff, because that, that's going to be, that's going to be a fun talk, because we have a, a, a few guys that I think all of us really like, uh, and then one that Matt really doesn't, but I kind of forced him to, I've, I've kind of been forced to put it on the list anyway, um, is that minor league rosters were released and we got pretty close, guys. Like, you know, there's a lot we we kind of had some ranges on a few guys as to where they would be. And no one really is glaring that's stuck out in terms of being wrong was except maybe Patrick White will be in double A. But I kind of understand it. Uh, Matt, really quick, do you have any surprises or anything that really kind of stuck out for you?
3: Not really. I mean, I wouldn't call it a surprise. I kind of knew there was always a decent enough chance that he ended up there, because I know the team is very high on him, but I do love seeing C.J. Alexander being challenged, as well as Drew Waters. I mean, those are both some guys that you might want to challenge a little bit more, guys that might respond to it well, or in Alexander's case, a guy who's not especially young for his age as a prospect, and Seeing them against better competition just raises the bar for them just a little bit more than it would in somewhere like Florida, for example.
1: Grov what about you, bud? Uh,
2: it appears that Matt has stolen my notes for this episode because I was literally going to say that pretty much word <laughs> for word. <laughs> Uh it is encouraging to see Vodnik at Rome. I you know there was a chance that he might be pushed to Florida, but I I mean honestly I didn't expect it to happen. I don't think anyone did. Uh maybe Nolan Kingham in in Danville, but I'm glad he's getting full season work in. Uh yeah, I mean I'm I'm super I'm super hype about Waters in double A. I think we all know about his uh, advanced approach at the plate, so uh It's going to be challenging and he might struggle for, you know, for a little bit, but he's of all the, like of all the prospects we have, you know, I'm fully, I'm fully aware or I, I trust that he can make those adjustments he needs and and succeed there.
1: Yeah. I think that the theme that I noticed, and again, it wasn't anything super crazy, like when Soroka and Allard got jumped to double A, for example, but this player development team, does seem willing to be aggressive with guys. You know, putting Waters at double-A with Pache there, which means that like the Mississippi games are like must see TV now because it has, they have Alexander, which was an aggressive promotion. Waters was an aggressive promotion and Pache is where we thought he was going to be plus a loaded load- rotation, like absolutely loaded. Like you'll just get great pitching every night there. Um, the AAA is that way too. To, but, real,
2: real yeah. quick on that, on that exact note. I mean, you have that rotation plus that outfield of Pasha Waters and Connor Lean, who's also a plus defender. Like, you might see some records being broken down in in Mississippi this year.
1: I think that they could, I think that team is going to be very good. Uh, I think it's entirely possible that they might see a record number of bunts because I don't think that there's much risk of them trying to hit the ball into the outfield a whole lot. Because that, that that's a really good defensive outfield, and there's a lot of lot of guys to like down in Mississippi. That's probably the best roster. Uh, Florida and Gwinnett are relatively close too. I think Florida is sneaky good. That that rotation's better than I think it's people are going to give them credit for. And there's a lot of like high like there's like risk reward talent on the li- both in the rotation and in the and on the lineup for that matter. So again, really good. Rome kind of does brings up the rear in terms of overall talent, but I was at Rome's media workout. And there are some really interesting guys. And more importantly, that team is really fun. I mean, the, the, I think the pitching staff is going to be pretty good. And like, you're going to see a lot of energy out of those guys. And I could see them being kind of one of those teams that just plays with a lot of energy and maybe doesn't have those, that the pedigree of like the, the really high end prospects on the position side, but plays really well together. Um, they're currently leading 2-0, uh, and, uh, Justin Dean, who is again, when you look at him, he's not, you know, he's not built like, you know, an adonis or anything like that he's a smaller guy but he's really fast and knows how to play the game and he hitting inside the parker to start the season for the braves minor league affiliates so congrats to justin uh he was a pleasure to talk to as well really funny guy and i'm really glad that he managed to start his season off well um one guy that i do want to point out about rome i mean i've, I've been kind of vocal on that i'm pretty high on jake hickenbotham as a as a pitcher uh Trey Riley looked excellent uh when we were when we were there, I have some video of him. his breaking ball is insane it like it looks like a fastball until probably five feet from the plate and then it just dives and and all the the coaches and the pet players were all talking about him and not wanting to have to swing against him in this in the simulated game they were doing so he the, the, both those guys look really good, but Darlington florentino looks like he was like a genetic experiment in terms of like, this is how you build the perfect baseball body. I couldn't believe it was him. I saw him walking in the dugout and I was like, who is that? And I saw the uniform number and I started looking it up and I'm like, that's Darlington Florentino. He's a teenager. You know, I think he's 17 going on 18, something like that. And he's got, I'm six one. He's, he's easily got an inch on me, maybe two. And he is built like an NFL linebacker. Um, the work in the cage needs some work. He was kind of swinging out of his shoes a bit, and it kind of seems like he was really kind of swinging for the fences constantly. But, again, this is a really young guy for that level, and I'm not saying th- that you can see the pure athleticism out there. I'm really interested to see if he kind of turns into something, if for no other reason, It's kind of one of those guys that if he figures it out, he could do, really do a bunch of damage. Um,
2: if, a, if a 17-year-old is in Rome after putting up a sub-600 OPS, there's something that the Braves like. Like, there's there's no yeah, other way to see it.
1: So, yeah, he – it, it It seems like just pure athleticism there was a there was a one other younger player there as well, but again, a lot of the, the faces that we kind of expected to be there you know Trey Harris was there Justin Dean was there um, you know uh, Logan Brown looked really good as a back uh, one of the B- Rome's, Romes catchers as well a uh, really affable guy was willing w- willing to talk and seemed like a really smart guy and was really and really kind of gets it in terms of like the professional aspect of the game um, which but, makes sense the- as a son of a big leaguer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and he, and just a a really, just a good dude. And that's not to say that all all the guys there were a ton of fun to talk to, really approachable, and more importantly, like they seem to really be enjoying playing with each other. There's a lot of trash talk. Trey Harris talks trash a lot, and it's hysterical. That is Um, no
3: surprise. He (laughs) he is gonna be a fan favorite down there. Oh yeah. And since we're, we talked about the uh, Mississippi outfield, and we've only talked about two-thirds of the Rome outfield, we can't forget Andrew Moritz, because that outfield is going to rival that Mississippi outfield. I don't think they're going to be just as good covering ground, but they're going to be just one half step below. I mean, the three of those guys with um, Dean Moritz and Harris, those guys are really going to be able to cover some ground.
1: Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's going to be kind of the fun things to see is the, the guys that we don't necessarily have like super high on our rankings or maybe aren't on our radar as much as you would normally see. Like, seeing those guys emerge is, like, half the fun for us. It's being like, wow, where did this guy come from? That's awesome. You know, Riley Delgado was similar to that this last year, and he could easily jump up less even more this year. Is He's, you know, one of those guys that were like, wow, I didn't realize he was going to be a thing, and he's actually a lot of fun to watch. So, again, really interesting to see. The, and it's the, kind of the overall aggression, I guess, is the general theme of these promotions, with, like, the notable exceptions of, like, well, even then, like, Tristan Beckham in Florida is relatively aggressive. And Freddie Tarnock being in Florida was an aggressive move too, uh, come to think of it. We weren't sure, we, I think we were all agreed that there was a very, one of the more likely outcomes was Freddie going to, going to high A, but, you know, it would be understandable if he got some time at Rome first, but they mean they threw him right in, they're throwing him right in the fire down in Florida. So, again, you know, this organization is willing to be aggressive with guys. It kind of hurts the lower levels in terms of following along at the lower levels, but part of that is simply because of how aggressive they're being with guys. And it'll be interesting to kind of how that translates to what they're doing after the draft and how they're dealing with guys in Extended.
3: And I just want to say this right now, starting this year really and the next couple of years, this is where we're going to start to see some of that little bit of a hit come from the international penalties of losing some guys and not being able to sign some international players because those guys that we lost after the uh, after 2017 season – would have most likely been reaching Rome this year on a normal path. They might have reached it last year since the Braves tend to be a little bit more aggressive, but this is where you start to see things thin out a little bit.
1: Uh, agreed. And the thing about that is that's not going to change anytime particularly soon unless – it depends on how the Braves draft. If they draft a lot of high school talent, then maybe we'll kind of see guys that are kind of moving slowly through the system, and it'll kind of like slowly populate through the system, but as we're going to talk about in this draft, especially at the top, it seems like, uh, from a first look, that what you're wanting are the bats, and in particular, there's a depth of college bats that you want, Uh, and I guess that's a good enough time just to kind of lead into that. My overall thoughts on this draft are... my. My position is always take the best best player available. My early look at what the kind of especially for the ninth overall pick, I, the twenty first pick, that's more of a crapshoot as to kind of who's down there, how you've managed your bonus pool, and what you're going to do with it, and things like that. That that's where that stuff happens, and there's a lot of things that can happen down that far in terms of like who's available and who I want and not want. You know, if a guy falls, you know, a guy falls, and you take a chance on him, or you you know negotiate something. But for that ninth overall pick, that is a range where. I think there's only one pitcher that I'd be remotely interested in, if I'm just being honest about it. Uh, I know Matt has a couple other pitchers that he likes uh, that wouldn't be, like, the worst thing in the world. to be there. No, no.
3: Actually, only one pitcher I'd feel comfortable with at the ninth pick. There's yeah. a couple other guys that I think have a chance to push themselves into that comfortable for the ninth pick range, but they're definitely not there at this point today. But there are some that could... Get up there in the next two months. I mean, we're only halfway through the spring.
1: So before we get out of the way, before we get into the guys, we, we're going to talk about. I think that it's fair to say that there are four names that, even if you're just looking at the rankings, like you know, this cross referencing between Fangraphs and Baseball America, uh, even the MLB Pipeline guys, there's four names that I feel very comfortable in saying will not be available at the ninth pick: Adley Reichman, Bobby Witt Jr., Andrew Vaughn. Uh, those are two college bats and one high school bat and another high school bat and cj abrams is that fair to say i mean like i think we have some i relative ideas as maybe some other guys that might not be there but those seem to be the four that for sure won't
3: mm-hmm. yeah i think so and i mean i i've started pushing vaughn's name in april or may of last year i mean he's just a ridiculous hitter both the hit ability and the power ability and the fact that He actually hits home runs more often than he strikes out. I mean, that's unheard of, and he's doing that with a lineup that doesn't really protect him all that much. I mean, he won the Golden Spikes Award last year as a sophomore, and what he's doing this year is just even better somehow, without much help around him. I've, I've wanted him all along thinking, first baseman, maybe there's a chance that he might not go top eight just because he's a first baseman, but he's firmly established himself to the point where... I can't even begin to dream that he'd fall to nine at this point.
1: Yeah, he's probably a, more of a favorite to go one overall than it is to get to, to get to ninth. Um, I think that Reutschman is kind of going to end up end up there, but but we're I don't want to focus too, many, too much on the guys that aren't going to be there, and we're also not going to focus on Carter Stewart, who depending on who you look at, you know he'll probably be available at ninth. But I have, would I just don't don't think there's anywhere where he would consent to being drafted again, which he would have to give to be drafted by the same team again. Um, and I, there's actually some debate, debate as to whether or not he's actually worth that high of a pick anyway, right now for a, a lot of reasons, including, you know, some velocity and some command issues and things like that. But I actually want to throw the floor to Garov here because he has one of the players that we're talking about tonight, uh, is a talented shorts, college shortstop. And, uh, I think all of us like him. I, I, I certainly do. I do as well.
2: As the. As the draft expert amongst the three of us, uh, what I speak is, is pretty much gospel.
1: Um, Low. uh, <laughs> uh, 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 uh
2: let's, let's quickly talk about Bryson Stott, the shortstop out of UNLV. Uh, you know, Eric was, was kind enough to put together a potential list for me because I will be the first to admit the draft is not my forte. I do not have the, the type of knowledge that Eric and Matt do when it comes to the draft. Like, I'm—we were joking around before the call started, and I said, "Oh yeah, I'm sure Matt knows about like the fourth cousin of Vlad Guerrero, and and he's got a scouting report." And sure enough, Matt dropped, "Oh yeah, we—I'm—I'm I'm looking at one of his cousins. He's an outfielder for this organization." I'm just like, "Okay, like I don't—I don't know how you do it. Like
1: I, I don't he's know how Ma- Matt. Yeah, I, I don't
2: get it." Him, and I don't understand him, JJ Cooper, Carlos, like, I don't get how they do what they do. It's incredible. And I just like, if for this episode as well, I'm probably going to be silent for most of the time, but Eric was really thoughtful and gave me a few lists of potential leads and I chose Bryson Sut. Uh, over, like, looking over at his numbers, he, he was not a huge recruit back in high school, but he did get a bunch of D1 offers. He stayed at home and he went to UNLV where he's put up some really, really impressive numbers and has Genuinely gotten significantly better. He, there's definitely a plus power potential there. He's got a, an insane eye. If you look at his sophomore numbers, he struck out only 18 times. To put that into like a frame of reference, he stole 14 bases. He doesn't have great speed, but he still sorts. He still stole 14 bases and only struck out 18 times. That is just insane. Uh, he's got a great eye. This season, he's walking at almost a 25% clip. Uh, very advanced approach at the plate. He's got pretty solid to good defense at short. If they feel like he's got – apparently he's got a great first step too. Uh, if they feel the need that he's not putting up the defensive uh, ability at short, they can move him over to third where he's got pretty like close to a double plus arm. Uh, I read one article saying he's capable of throwing almost 97 to 99 miles an hour, which, you know, that's <laughs> that's like Angleton quality. Yeah, that's That's crazy. Uh, and he's got really good plus power potential. You, you could conceivably see a quality overall power hitting defensive shortstop. So he he really stuck out to me, and he's someone that if he's available at nine, I I would have no problems with the Braves taking him there.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that the the thing the theme you're going to be getting here is you're, we're kind of looking at guys who have all of the. Have really good hit tools because that's just something that, I mean, you can dream on power and if it works out and there's a really big upside with it, but you're going to see a lot of these college guys that we're going to be talking about in particular are guys that have really good hit tools, and he's one that has it. And what's been nice about him is that the power has been showing up this year more, and that's something that like people were wondering if that was something that was going to happen. Uh, and he's, you know, he's a guy that is very, very possibly will stick it short, so he's an up the middle defender. He's a guy that has a you know strong throwing arm, bats from the left side, has some power, but more importantly has a hit tool that should play, and that's a a type of bat that could move quickly. Now, in terms of like positions and stuff, I, I've gotten asked a bunch of questions on lately as to kind of like what positions do you want the Braves to, to go for. I'm, as long as it's a position player, that's what they should do. I'm not again, I'm not really high on this position this this pitching class, but. In terms of like you know should they go for a third baseman because if they might have Austin Riley or shortstop because of Dansby you know I get all those sorts of questions and you just can't draft like that so even, even though they're college guys who could move quickly you have to draft for the best position the best player available you can't reach on a catcher or you can't do stuff like that because that that's a good way to get yourself in trouble unless you're doing stuff with like your bonus pool and things like that and the Braves have done that before but it's been a couple um, it's been a couple. You know, administration, or it was an administration beforehand, I should say, that did that. And I'm not sure if they're going to be willing to do that, even though I think they have the sixth highest bonus pool. Uh, Matt, go ahead and share your thoughts on Stop Before We Move On. I mean, I like this
3: guy. I don't want to say too much because I'm actually talking about him in an article for Talking Chop that's going to be out tomorrow. Uh, I think around noon it might be going to drop, but.
1: That, 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 that seems likely.
3: Yeah, so I don't want to share too much that's already going to be talked about tomorrow. But I I will say, and this is going to be in there, going into the year, I didn't have him in my top 10. And I only ranked the top 10 because I don't like to do rankings before it gets close to the draft because I feel like there's too much room to move a player up or down. But he probably would have been just off my top 10 maybe if I went further in rankings, 11th or 12th. Right now, he's firmly – I haven't re-ranked yet, but he would probably be in that six to nine. Range right now today, uh, I like him that much. He has he definitely has plus power. It's more of a question of it showing up in game. He has hit some monster home runs in games and in workouts, but then came the USA Baseball last year and it kind of disappeared at times. And he's actually showing some signs this year. And this is where I don't want to get into too much, but he's definitely showing a lot more of what we needed to see out of him this year to move him back into that top ten. No, yeah,
1: perfect. I like it. The one one thing that I I'm gonna mention a few guys here because ultimately what I want to do is be pretty deferential to Matt, especially in a few of these guys. That honestly I we're kind of in the exploratory phase of what we're looking at for the for the draft. And we've seen some names already mocked to the Braves, which again it's they're early mocks. They're just kind of a general what who you know who's looking good right now? It's not necessarily reflective of you know big time scouts or big time administrate you know administrative people showing up for you know showing up to see games and things like that. Uh One name that what did pop up was Will Wilson, who's the shortstop for NC State, I believe. Yeah, NC State, and you know he's a guy that has had a, a has been super productive this year. Has been productive in the past as well. He's one of those guys, and Matt will be the first to say so. Is that he's kind of like a He's played really well and above his tools in college, and that begs the question as to how much of a ceiling he would have. It's not a question of whether or not he would even – you know, he, could, he couldn't make it to the big leagues. It's just how much value there would be beyond kind of what he is right now and how that would play against more advanced competition. Um, but again, that's, that's another short start arm. Is that, does that seem accurate with kind of how you're feeling about him, Matt?
3: I kind of feel like he's a very, very good college player. He'll probably be a good pro. That's what I think his limit is, a good pro, a solid, good pro. I mean, you're not looking at a future all-star or anything. And considering this is the Braves' last top pick, they really need to go with an upside play. And going with a guy like that who's not going to be a potential all-star, who you're hoping becomes a just a very good everyday player, which, I mean, maybe the kind of guy that could maybe make one all-star team one day or something like that, What? as opposed to some of these other names that we're gonna mention who have clear all-star upside. Not that they're going to all be all-stars, but I think any of these other guys that we're gonna mention tonight at least has that path to becoming an all-star.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience.
1: That leads me to my two favorite names uh, on the list. Uh, and I'm, uh, uh, One guy that I've kind of fallen in love with early, his production hasn't been particularly good this year. I think he had a thigh injury, though, which kind of does put a damper on things. Is uh, Josh – is it – Matt, you're going to have to correct me. Is it Josh Young or is it Josh Young? Young. Young? Okay. It, it, it's spelled with a J, but it is pronounced Young. I just wasn't 100% certain, so I wanted to make sure I actually asked it out loud so that way I didn't mess it up too terribly. So Young is an interesting guy in that – he was, he's been thought of as like a top 10 pick for, since the start of the draft season. And what interests me is that he was probably going to go before the Braves. He was probably going to be like a sixth or seventh pick. But because his production hasn't been as good and there are questions as to whether or not he can stick at third and maybe you have to either put him in a corner or put him at first base. Uh, he, he, he has a, a better chance than he did before the season to get to nine. He is a guy that can just flat out hit even when he wasn't. You know, even when he you know, had a, a bum leg and he was struggling, he was still hitting. He just wasn't in for as much power, but he's hit a couple of home runs recently. He's a guy that a lot of people project to have real power, you know, above average to plus in terms of that raw, in, in, in that raw sense. And he's one of those bats where you can, you'll find a spot for him. You'll find a spot for him to, uh, on your roster. He plays at Texas Tech. And again, he's going to be a top 10 pick. It's just a question of whether or not that production That he's put up this year is going to be something that's held against him. Uh, One thing that I'm not as enamored with is that you know, in terms of like you know, overall athleticism and things like that. It's it's he he's a he's a he's a very capable fielder, has a really good arm, not a great runner, and not like a super athlete or anything like that. And I do kind of like those guys that have like that upside of athleticism, where if they figure things out, all of a sudden they go from could be a a good pro to being a potential all star. The other guy is a guy that I would have bet money that Grov was going to pick to talk about tonight, and that's Hunter Bishop out of Arizona State. He has put up video game numbers. Now, granted, this is against the Pac-12, and this is only a 26-game sample size, so fair warning. He currently possesses an OPS of nearly 1,600. Uh, He has 16 home runs in 26 games. Has six more walks than strikeouts. (laughs) He, He has been unreal, and more importantly... Beyond just the overall production, which is obviously, which is obviously great. Super, super athletic. Had, has real raw power, like plus to plus plus raw power. And he has, and Kylie McDaniel has him as, as a 60 runner. All those things, like those types of super athletes that also have put up a bunch of production and aren't doing things like striking out a lot, uh, are showing discipline and are showing, are showing production against older like older pitchers, you know, guys who are like know how to pitch that are in college and things like that and kind of know some of the tricks of the trade and how to get guys who are super aggressive at swinging and things like that. Because again, when Seth Beer was a freshman, you know, college pitchers hadn't really figured him out yet. And when he got, as he got older, he, he, holes in his swing became apparent. This is a guy who's in his junior year and he's just getting better and better. And it makes me feel really good that the athleticism will play long term. Now, the problem is, is that as good as he's playing right now, he might not be available at nine. Uh, I'm, but there's also enough guys that you know, in terms of that have really strong track records and are projectable as well ahead of him. Where there's a really good chance of him, and he's a guy that, like, of all the the bats right now, he is probably my favorite based on what I know right now. Anyway, Matt Matt Garab, any thoughts on those? On him. I like Garab uh,
2: personally. Personally, I I think what. Matt says is is correct.
3: <laughs> no,
2: I, I, you know, I, I really, I, I really value your two opinions when it comes to you know the draft, and you know this is like this episode itself is a huge learning experience for me. So really, like, I, I, I'm soaking up what you guys are saying. So unfortunately, I don't have too much of an opinion at this at this exact moment, just because like as much research as I can do, I still learn from you two so much.
1: Well, well, let me put it this way. And Matt can probably back me up on this. Would you like a college hitter version of Joe of – potentially, potentially a college hitter version of Joe Adele?
2: Yeah, 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 yes. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> that,
1: that, that, that's the kind of athleticism you're working with. I mean is that, is, is that the kind of athleticism we're working with here with him right now, Matt? No, no, not at all. I mean Adele
3: is – closer to that Bo Jackson type of freak. I mean, it, we're just not in the same ballpark. I mean, Adele is
1: just a whole other class that n- nobody measures up to. He, you really, I mean, like, I, I like Adele, don't get me wrong. And he's like, you know, obviously a very highly regarded, regarded prospect and things like that. I just didn't like, and he's, a, he's and he's a, he has a ton of athleticism, but Bo Jackson's a pretty bold claim. <laughs> because, like, Bo Jackson and, like, there's a, there's a couple other guys that have been kind of super athletes like like that. But, I mean, like, you, you honestly think it's – not, it's not a knock on Bishop, obviously. That's not what we're trying to get at here. Oh, right? no, no,
3: no, not at all. I'm just saying Adele is just that amazing. I mean, if you really want to see something, you might want to just Google some of the videos of Adele off the baseball field just showing his athleticism or even just running in the outfield trying to track down a baseball. I mean, he's just a freak.
1: Do you – Are you buying Bishop's rise? Because, I mean, he didn't start – I mean, if you look at Pipeline's draft rankings right now, Bishop's not even on the top 50. I mean, are you kind of buying this production and like kind of seeing him as a top 10 pick? Or is it more anomalous for you? Yes and no. I mean, at the beginning
3: of the – again, I don't want to say too much because he's also in this article for tomorrow. So, And this is all going to be talked about in there with him. But he was not a first-round pick or even – really that close to it heading into the spring. But he was definitely a guy on everyone's radar, and he would have been a second-day pick for sure. I mean, that there's no doubt in that. At this point, the home run total is just absurd. I mean, wait till you see what the slugging percentage is in the article tomorrow. I mean, this is not something you can ever predict someone to do. It's just that ridiculous. So... With that, you have to definitely weigh the production versus what you had before because he had a solid baseline, and he's suddenly producing significantly above that. I'm buying in, but I'm definitely not buying in as top ten pick. I'm seeing him right now more than that just outside the top ten. The range where I had Bryson Stott to start the year is where I'll say I'd have him. By the end of the year, I mean, we're really only at the halfway point. I think I could change my mind and have him firmly in that top ten as a guy I'd want to see, but I'm not all the way in on him yet.
1: That leads us to the last three names, and honestly, I'm going to kind of defer to Matt on these because these are guys that I don't know as well. Um, one's an outfield on batter- Excuse me. Uh, one was a high school bat that I like. I, I do like a lot, but again, just kind of don't know as much about him as to kind of how to project him. Uh, Another is a college bat. And then finally, the only arm we're going to be talking about, who's a guy that Matt likes a lot, too. In um, Riley Green, Cameron Wisner, um, Misner and uh, Daniel Espino. Matt, go for us. Be free.
3: I'm going to start with Espino. He is my favorite prospect outside of those top four. And he's right up there in that top four, probably ahead of Abrams. He's a guy I'm not going to talk about tonight, though, because I'm actually going to be going to one of his starts live, uh, April 25th, his last start of the year at this point, and I'm getting before I really break him down and write a full article to cover everything on him and really just praise everything I've seen in the last year, because there's just so much to like about Espino, and he, I would be thrilled. He's the only pitcher I would be happy with in the top 10 today, but I would be thrilled if he dropped to 9. But my god, his stuff is, and the production that he has this year, he's he's striking everyone out. High school hitters just do not have a chance against him. His stuff is just filthy. It's
2: if if anyone needs uh like Added emphasis on what Matt thinks about Daniel Espino. He's been talking about him for over a year now. Before he was like even draft eligible, he's been high on him. I'm pretty sure he's, when, when he, his next visit to Atlanta, he's going to go and see him. Like I, I became an Espino fan because of Matt.
1: Yeah. yeah. Mean, you're, you're talking about a kid that, you know, throws upper nineties and has a hammer curveball. I mean, there's reasons to be. Skeptical a little bit, and most of them have to do with like some some like mechanics that are a little bit a little bit weird, and you know, and it's a size thing. But this this kid already, and again, you can you could see him maybe putting on a, a little bit of muscle, and you could see him kind of turning, you know, maybe be, being built a little sturdier to where you would like some of those durability concerns that you are associate with guys who are a little bit smaller, uh, in ter- in terms of pitchers anyway. But I mean, in terms of raw stuff, I I'm not sure there is better raw stuff in the draft. Period there's
3: definitely not better stuff in the draft and as for upper 90s he was recorded at 99 today alone so i mean he's all the way basically at 100 at this point i mean the mechanics i mean, how, we...
2: how how does an 18 year old throw 99? how i don't i don't understand it like how is he capable of doing this what is he is he could he actually add velocity if you know with better training i uh,
3: I don't think he can add more velocity because I think he's mostly at his developmental peak. I think maybe a mile or two more absolute most. But how he's getting this kind of velocity, it's all in his mechanics. And to some people, they're a little weird. They're It's not a normal delivery that you would teach everybody. But just because you wouldn't teach everybody, this delivery doesn't mean it doesn't work for him. It works for him. And I don't really want to get into this too much because this is one of the things that's – controversial about him to those that are against taking him very high so I wanted to break this down after seeing him live but it's all in his lower body he really has a very very strong lower body especially his legs and he really utilizes that in his delivery so all of that strength in his pitching comes from that lower body it's why he's able to throw so hard. It's why I project him to have some very, very strong durability going forward.
1: That's, that that I I can I can get behind. It's not something I. I mean, again, and I, I've been kind of pretty pretty clear about this for a little while. Is that I've been pretty I'm I'm wanting a bat in that top ten pick. If the Braves pick pick the pitcher in the twenty first with the twenty first pick or something like that, then so be it. But He's the one where I'm not going to be, like, tearing my hairs hair out if they pick him in terms of a pitcher. But I do want to – and I, I'm really interested to see what Matt has to say after he actually goes see and see him live. Uh, he pitches down in Statesboro. He's a Georgia guy, which is something that's worth noting considering the Braves' track record of um, – how do I put it? Uh, one, looking local in terms of the, their talent. And they, they've done a really good job of picking guys locally and knowing knowing that knowing that area. But I'm going to talk a little bit about these bats uh, with Cameron Misner. Riley Green, and basically anyone else that you think is in consideration or at least should be. And I'll start with Green
3: because I have him quite a bit higher on my board. He is by far the best prep hitter, at least hit tool terms, in this class right now. I mean, he just has a very pure hit tool. He doesn't have the perfect swing, but it's very good. He's got great bat speed. Uh, definitely plus, not quite plus plus bat speed, but he can just hit. He's got good power. It's got a chance to be plus power when he actually matures. I, I mean, this is basically a corner outfielder who could potentially be a number three hitter in a lineup someday because he's going to hit for average, he's going to get on base, he's going to hit for some power. And I think even worst-case scenario with a guy like this who is such a good hitter, you're probably looking at a lower end of middle of the lineup hitter, maybe a number six hitter. I mean, there's a lot to like about a guy who you'd think is a number three or six hitter in best or worst-case scenario. I don't think he has enough pure power as of right now to be a clean-up, an ideal cleanup guy, but he's definitely a guy that you can build a lot around.
1: Does anyone else? Oh, you know, it's, I like guys like him that again, already have established hit tools and you can see the physical projection. Um, it's not, it's not necessarily ideal that, you know, he seems like he's going to be a corner outfielder. If that makes any sense? Like it kind of, you, you kind of want to get, see, a, like, you don't want him to already kind of be stuck to a corner. Uh, you maybe you want him, like, kind of those up the middle athletes, especially with, like, a top 10 pick. But he's a guy that seems like he's, he will hit enough where it's not necessarily going to matter. And you can kind of see him kind of growing either into, like, you know, an average, you know, a guy that hits for average and has a, a really strong overall game or as a guy that actually puts on, like, significantly more, like, strength and turns into kind of, again, not like that number three or maybe even a cleanup hitter down the road and i i really like the people are effusive in their praise of about green and he's you know again another guy that might end up just not being there available the one thing that you'll that you always want to note about prep bats and it's kind of worth noting about cj abrams although i don't think this is going to happen is that if there is a category of player that falls on draft day it's the prep guys and in particular prep bats because it's just a there's a lot of miss that happens there, just because you know guys can't can't figure out how to you know hit advanced pitching or you know especially or like right-handed high school pitchers too. It's just that the you know the Braves have been really fortunate in just how well they've drafted that demographic because a lot of those guys just don't turn into much. And you know the, the, if you see guys that maybe are super talented and fall a little bit and maybe the Braves could be able to take a chance on that's going to be the demographic. And so he's kind of why I've been like looking at Riley Green and Corbin Carroll a little bit. It's kind of in the same area too, um, but. Uh Just b- before we kind of go into a- other names that you might be interested in, let's talk a little bit about Cam- Cameron Misner because he's another guy that we've kind of been talking about quite a bit in the chat.
3: So Cameron Misner is not a guy I'm super high on at this point. Before the season, I actually had him just behind Stott in my just outside the top 10. So if I would have had Stott 11 or 12, I probably would have had Misner at 12 or 13. And he got off to a hot start to the year, and he's gone cold. He's a guy with definitely an NFL build. I mean, he is a solidly built 6'4", 220. He's got power. He's got speed. I mean, he's faster than you'd think a 6'4", 220-pound player is. Uh, he plays for a majority team that isn't really overly relevant in a very strong league in the SEC. So, he's kind of got that Andrew Vaughn situation where he does not have a ton of protection around him. So some of the fact that he's gone a little cold is the fact he's able to be pitched around so well. I mean, you have that with a guy like Vaughn too, but Vaughn is just such a different type of head that it doesn't really apply to him the way it would apply to somebody that's just good like Misner. I think Misner has... Potentially superstar ability with his combination of power and speed. But I just question his hit tool a little bit, what it's ultimately going to become. I mean, there's the potential for it to really develop and have him hit for a high average with that plus to plus plus power. But I don't really think he's going to be a guy that's going to hit for high average. I see him more as maybe a 260 to 270 type of hitter. Maybe a 320 to... 335 on base percentage with power and that's good but that's definitely not the kind of guy i'd want to use that very high pick on i'd rather go with somebody that i can see with an easier path to becoming that superstar
1: well if that's the case and the, again we've, we've kind of been chronicling because uh one of our writers aaron houston's a big misner fan uh but we've all noticed that he's like hasn't his productions dropped off so if we're if we're not looking at Misner, and let's just let's just assume that a lot of the guys that we've talked about have already been taken. Who are some other names that maybe we haven't talked about? And you don't have to go into crazy depth because again, we're, we're this is going to be something that's going to be an ongoing process for us, you know, adjusting where where we think guys are going to go and things like that. Are there any other names that you think are going to be in consideration for that? Like you know, there's guys like Corbin Carroll we haven't talked about. Um, maybe some others.
3: So Carroll's a guy that you mentioned, and he's a very good pure hitter as well, kind of like. Green. He's not a very big guy. He's got good speed. I mean, you're looking at a potential leadoff hitter, but I don't really like him for the Braves because he doesn't have enough power for me. He's that center field hit and run type of guy who the Braves really just don't need that. I mean, he doesn't have the elite lead upside of some of the other guys, even though he does have some All Star upside, and the fact that he doesn't have that mixed with the fact that. He's very repetitive to what the organization's strengths are. He just doesn't really fit for me, even though just based on what his value is, he would not be a bad pick, but I I wouldn't take him myself. A uh, guy who has really emerged a little bit this year is uh, TCU FD Nick Wadolo, former first-round pick of the Pirates in 2016, who really has not been overly productive in his first two years on campus. He remained a mid-first-round type draft pick heading into the spring just because the stuff is so good that you were always hoping that the production would match the numbers, and it's started to match the numbers at this point this year. I don't have him in my top ten right now, but he's one of those guys that I was referring to earlier as one of those couple pitchers that would have a chance to really emerge into that. I mean, he's definitely one of those guys that I would love to watch or maybe not see him develop a little bit more and maybe slide him down to the 21st pick, even though I think as a lefty with his stuff, I think that's always been a long shot at this point. Then, um, really, I'd like to hear from what you guys think before I keep going. I just don't want to take up every name.
1: Yeah, I mean, the only other name that kind of, I mean, I've looked at Fangraphs list, for example, and they have Michael Bush on there, and he's a guy that's like, again, just he's kind of just a power hitter, um, and, and almost like a generic one, you know, super stiff. And I just don't think that kind of fits what the Braves would be wanting to do. I think they'd want more athleticism. Uh, but JJ Blade is an interesting name as an as uh a, like you know kind of a corner outfield guy that has some that has some has some upside, I think, and more importantly comes out of a Vanderbilt program that you know has a really good, you know has a good track record of producing pros and you know he's also a guy that, you know, hits the ball hard that maybe that's, and is an athletic guy where, you know, he could, you could see him maybe playing above what he's currently doing right now. And he's, uh, he's kind of seeing more love kind of in that relatively that top 10 range. But beyond that, I mean, like, I feel like we've kind of covered a good range of those guys and that, that second tier above below that top four, the top four is, I think fairly well set. Um, you know, there's there are folks that were like really high on Shaylenjoliers, you know the the catcher from Baylor, but he got hurt and his stock hasn't been as as good lately. So I know there's some folks that would really want the Braves to, kept, to draft a college catcher. Unfortunately, the one that they would really want is not going to be available because Roitman's going. Mm-hmm. going to go one or two unless his leg falls off. So, mm-hmm. um, okay. oh, just wanted to comment through. I actually purposely skipped Wade myself because he's another
3: guy in that article tomorrow that I'm going to talk about quite a bit.
1: I mean, not I, an interesting I, notion. Do we have anything, anyone else that we want to cover, or is that going to be, is, is that, you we feel pretty good about that, that tier, at least what we're talking about right now?
3: I think that's pretty much everyone that I really wanted to cover for a potential ninth pick. I think anyone else that we would mention right now would not really be in the conversation for the ninth pick. They might be in the conversation for the 21st pick more than the ninth pick, which I think shouldn't get its
1: own show. Yeah, I think that so then I go ahead.
2: I actually have a question for you too. Cause right now I'm, I'm essentially like listening and taking notes on what you guys are saying. So suppose a dream scenario happens, you know, just like how Kyle Wright fell to us, you know, although I kind of wanted Adele, uh, what is, what are both of yours dream scenarios for our number nine pick?
3: Andrew Vaughn has always been the top guy on my board. Um, he would remain the top guy on my board. I mean, this is the kind of hitter that teams dream about having, a guy who's going to hit for a very high average, get on base at a very high clip and hit for a ton of power.
1: I mean, that's a very good pick. I mean, Andrew Vaughn's insane, right? Um, in my dream scenario, it's like, I know it sounds weird, but it's almost like it has to like kind of follow some sort of weird logical process and not be like, you know, like, the eight teams up ahead of you forgot that this guy existed or something like that. So in my dream scenario, it's like Roichman and Vaughn go one and two, and then Bobby Witt Jr. goes number three. And then you have guys have teams that really want like team talent that's closer to the major leagues where they take a lot of these college bats that we like and they take those ahead. And that means that CJ Abrams falls to us because there's one thing about CJ Abrams. And I'll, I'll kind of leave it. That. I saw him play last year and the things that you've heard about him are true is that he kind of has a ton of speed, you know, line drive approach, doesn't have a ton of muscle on him. But when you look at this kid and you look at his swing, if he puts on any amount of strength at all, I do not like the, he gets these D. Gordon comps that kind of drive me crazy. One, cause I'm not a comps guy at all. I think it's kind of lazy in a lot of ways. But also, if you see this guy, yes, he's a, a has real, can really run, has a, has a good hit tool plays his position well you know, as a shortstop. That's always good. Um, his upside, though, is that he's a guy that could carry more strength, and he could be an all-around type player. And in terms of all the prep bats, and this is reflected in kind of what we're seeing, even above Witt Jr. simply because Witt Jr. kind of has, with the, being a power hitter the way he is, there's real risk in kind of his overall approach and things like that. He's the prep bat that I like the most, even ahead of Witt. And I understand that's probably not – the most popular opinion in some circles. But my dream scenario is that there's this local guy, local kid, and either the Braves like really fall in love with him. And they, you know, say, Hey, we'll throw a bunch of money at you. (laughs) Uh, and then get him to fall to him or that they, because he's a prep bat, he ends up falling to nine. I don't think that's ever going to happen. But at the same time, like if that's my dream scenario in terms of kind of how it will work out in my head.
3: And I remember last year, it was probably about this time and I was sitting outside smoking a cigar and I got a call from Eric out of nowhere and he was just raving about seeing some prospects and he didn't talk about the guys that he saw that were last year's first round picks. He talked about Abrams.
1: yeah he was in, he was insane at that at that high school tournament. I mean there were some other really there were some other really good names. Uh, Parker Meadows was at that tournament. Uh, oddly enough, he did not play well at that tournament at all. Will Banfield was there. A lot of like guys who were like first round picks, borderline first round picks, uh, Anthony Sigler was there the abrams was the most impressive player i saw there and i'm not actually sure it was particularly close so again so it's i'm so I, go ahead no
2: no gonna go, uh, so i'm going to say i'm not going to compare him to this person but your reaction to this person is very similar to when we saw Acuna for the first time down in rome you know not necessarily a, an uber prospect at the time but we saw him I remember that vividly. We saw him, and we were just like, holy cow, this this kid is different.
1: Okay, let me set the scene for you as to what happened. when I The first time I saw C.J. Abrams hit a baseball, okay? He takes two pitches that were, like, not even close to the strike zone because high school pitching is hilarious. So then the pitcher grooves one down the middle, right? He hits – I would be shocked if the exit velocity on this was under 100 miles an hour. It was a straight line drive to dead center field and hits off the top of the wall. Now keep in mind how hard he hit this ball. It hits off the top of the wall. The center fielder's already bolting to, to like heading back that way anyway. It's on the ground maybe maybe two seconds. And Abrams made it to third without a throw. Like there was no chance. Like he he has this long stride and it's it's kind of like Hayward esque in the sense of like kind of how he takes his strides, but he's also so fast. He was rounding second before the like the outfielder even had a chance to get the ball, and that's how hard he hit that ball. It was a line drive. It wasn't something that hung in the air for a while, and he was just kind of going full out beforehand. This guy's a special athlete, and he can really hit. And, again, it's kind of one of those when you hear that sound off the bat, it kind of sounds a little bit different. Um You know, it's kind of just really solid contact. The power isn't really there right now in terms of, like, you know, predicting like kind of this plus power hitter or anything like that, but you can see it in his swing, and you can see it kind of in – you could see him getting stronger. So –
2: Wow. Okay. That's, yeah. um All right.
1: He's a guy. He's a guy that I'm willing to dream on, but I'm also willing to accept the fact that I'm not the only one that's noticed that this guy can play. <laughs> so, uh, and you know, uh, I, I remember talking to uh, a prominent member of the prospect community who I will not name, but when I, I said, "I'm like, I just saw C.J. C. Abrams, and I don't think people have him, are right on him at all," and his exact response is, "He's is definitely a dude in all capital no in all capital letters." So, you know, again, he's he's gonna be a guy that's gonna be you know, taken probably in the top five. Uh, but I could see a weird dream scenario where it would happen, and I would be thrilled because I think he's great. Well, guys, that's all the time we have. Uh, we have some minor league baseball to get caught up on. There's also a Braves game happening that uh, I'm certain both gentlemen that I'm talking to right now have on in the background. So... Uh,
3: I just want to gi- say, Donaldson does look good in the field.
1: Yeah, he does. He, he, he You know, he looks a little... St- watching him run and kind of move around like... Like super rangy isn't particularly a graceful thing, but he's, he's looked pretty, he's looked good. I wish he would produce a little bit more at the plate, but you know, he's, you know, it's still really early. uh, And you know, once he gets going, I'm sure he's gonna be just fine. Well, guys, that's all the time we have. Thank you so much to all of you who've been supportive of us as we've kind of relaunched Road to Atlanta. We've been having a ton of fun with it. Uh, it's really nice just to get to talk about baseball again. It's really great that minor league minor league season got started again. Uh, going forward, you're going to see a lot of kind of us talking about what we've seen in the previous week in terms of minor league baseball. Right now, we're like only a few innings in to uh, most of the games that are that are happening right now, so we don't have a ton of stuff to talk to you about, you know, 2019 minor league side wise. But hopefully that'll change soon. Uh, hopefully we'll also have Garrett back into the fold as well getting him up and running uh and having his random pets you know causing havoc on the podcast which is always good fun uh make sure you follow the podcast Twitter account at Road the Number Two Atlanta, uh, and if you want to subscribe to make sure you don't miss any episodes of Road to Atlanta, you just have to follow. You just have to subscribe to the Talking Shop iTunes feed. Uh, the or there's it's available in a lot of different areas, whether it be Google Play, where it's Stitcher, because uh, we the of the upload platform that we use. But the easiest way, if you want to make sure you don't miss any many episodes, is just to subscribe to the the Talking Shop iTunes feed. But you can follow it on a you can find it on a variety of platforms. Uh. There are a couple, a couple ads nowadays. So my apologies in advance for that. It's something that, it's something that's new for us. Uh, and we're going to have to put a little, I'm going to have to make sure I find a spot that's a good spot for an ad break here. But it's again, we're, we're trying to make sure that we're able to grow this podcast and we've been really supportive of, we've gotten a ton of support from a lot of our listeners, whether it be folks helping us out getting new equipment, which has been super helpful or just saying, Hey, we're just really glad that the podcast is back. That's meant a lot to all of us. We've, and we've all gotten those messages and we've heard them and we really appreciate it. So until next time, guys. We'll see you on the road.
2: Actually, I have two things before we sign off. I'm so sorry for this, Eric. I apologize. Uh, first thing is Max Fried is looking dynamite right now. Exactly what we all expected. You know, like two, three years ago, and I'm pretty sure we aggressively rated him as the number one pitcher in the, in the or at least I did as the number one pitcher in the, in the organization. And then uh, and then two, um, really make sure to tune into next week's episode where we talk about Pokemon Go, so I can actually say something.
3: <laughs> actually, I want to add something else. Mike Fultonevich is done in his rehab start. He has thrown five no-hit innings, walked two, struck out two, fifty-six pitches, thirty-four strikes.
1: My body is ready to have him back because uh, this rotation definitely needs him. Uh,
3: done that against a good lineup.
1: Yeah, it's definitely that was definitely. I actually saw that lineup. It was actually a really good matchup to see him kind of go against. See how he did, and uh, as it turns out, he's still very good at baseball. So. Anyways, guys, thanks again. We'll see you next time.
0: Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G
1: podcast. we got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work